Welcome one, welcome all to episode seven of the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Matt Jordan, here as always with my buddy Brandon Crows. Brandon, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. That was uh, that was actually a surprisingly entertaining football game last night between the Bengals and Browns. What what'd you think? Yeah, I, I will agree with that, that it was surprisingly entertaining. Um, I was not, I did not have high expectations going into a Bengals-Browns game on primetime. Um, I mean, I mean, the thing that jumped out to me right away was the Browns running backs. They ran all over the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, that I, I thought that that game plan is, I, I feel like, what everyone expected to see from a Kevin Stefanski offense. Um, obviously it didn't work out against an incredible Ravens defense in week one, but it seems like they, they got back to their footing. Uh, definitely feels like this is what they want to do moving forward. You know, work those two great running backs in, try to limit Baker's exposure, um, you know, to opposing defensive lines and then, you know, just kind of let him work off a play action. I mean, he had that sweet connection last night on the rollout to his left to, to Mm -hmm. OBJ, um, I feel like Browns fans were like, where is that? Like, where has that been for like a year plus? Um, it, it, they, they looked good last night. Um, I was actually surprised that, uh, maybe I shouldn't have been because the Browns have had a ton of injuries on defense, but, um, I was surprised that the Bengals kept up, you know, op- offensively. Um, it, it felt like for a while there in the first half that the Browns were just going to very literally run away with it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I'm looking at the, the box score here. Like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 32 rushing attempts. Like that's just unreal, especially when it's 10 more than Baker Mayfield in terms of passing attempts. Like you just don't see that in the NFL now. Um, but I mean, the other thing that jumped out to me was Joe Burrows. I mean, I mean, he looked really good. I was surprised with it being his second NFL game with no preseason, like the fact that he threw it 61 times, that's just, and I'm sure game script played a huge role in that, but Joe Mixon wasn't really getting anything going on the ground. And I think Joe Burrow can, can sling it. I mean, I'll, I'd be interested to, to hear your thoughts, but I think Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in Ohio right now. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and I and honestly, that's really, you know, at least in my mind, that's no disrespect to Baker because um, I think he actually he looked pretty good last night. Um, but Burrow, I mean, he he's not getting very much help. Uh, that that line, yeah. as you mentioned, really bad. Um, and they you know, I, I was surprised even watching last night how many. Um, five wide, four wide sets they put Burrow in. Mm-hmm. I'm sure part of it is that, you know, he's succeeded to such a degree with that at LSU. Um, but, I mean, he looks really comfortable. There was one throw we had last night. I think it was to Tyler Boyd on the sideline. You might remember this. Um, he was rolling to his right. There was a defender underneath Boyd and a defender over the top. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Burrow had an incredible throw. I mean, he just ripped it right by the underneath defender, um, right on the hands of Boyd at the sideline. And I was like, that is an NFL throw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it that's a that's a throw that I think I've seen Eli Manning throw a pick six on many, many occasions in my life. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, you know, watching Burrow without any hesitation just rip it in there. Um, 
he looked impressive. I think that there's a very bright future ahead for Burrow. Um, I would have to guess that Bengals fans probably feel pretty good about how that pick went. Yeah, I mean, I think just, and again, one of the other things that stood out to me was, like, you see that he has Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green on the outside, but he had 15 targets to his tight ends. Like, C.J. Uzama, he's done for the year. He tore his ACL, which is just sucks. But then Drew Sample, he has a stat line of seven receptions, 45 yards on nine targets. Like, if anyone needs tight end help, I think he would probably be, well, I know we talk about this next week, but probably an early waiver wire target for me. So you were suggesting that people sample Drew just, Sample? Just, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it was it was right there. I, I it, felt like I no, had to no, go no, for it. Fair. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a nickname that we can like, like a Costco tight end or something like that. Like... <laughs> I feel, I feel like <laughs> free free sample free sample yeah yeah I like it yeah it I mean d- depending on what uh, the rest of the tight end landscape looks like at the end of this week he might be more than a free sample you might have to uh, throw a few bucks down there yeah. to, uh, to to sample Mr. Drew but um, <laughs> yeah I, you know on, on the defensive side of the ball last night I mean Miles Garrett is a tremendous football player you know mm-hmm. I think everyone everyone knew that the the strip sack he had um, I felt like that completely kind of flipped momentum Cleveland's way. That was an incredible play. I mean, because you remember they had literally yeah. just been down there. They got stuffed on fourth down, and yeah. then Miles Garrett comes in and gives them the ball right back on the one-yard line. <laughs> yeah. just, he's an incredible football player. Yeah, and one of the guys that stood out to me was Josh Bynes uh, for the Bengals. This is a second game in a row with at least eight tackles. Um I think I know we've talked about how how messy the linebacker position is with the Bengals, but I think Josh Bynes is going to be someone that's going to be there for for the whole year. Yeah, Pratt did not look good last night. Um, he seemed lost in coverage, yep. uh, which was one of his issues last year. Um, I mean, you you never know um, because I still think that they like Pratt a lot there, but I I think if he continues to have some more adventures in coverage. Um, you know, in some of these succeeding weeks, we might be seeing Logan Wilson sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would agree with you. I think Bynes, you know, being the true veteran of the group, um, he's probably going to get a little bit more leash than Jermaine Pratt. Yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, uh, one other note from last night. Ronnie Harrison is a pure backup. Um, yeah. for whatever reason, he's just not, he's not seeing any time right now on that Browns defense. They didn't give up a ton to get him. You'd think that they do have plans for him in some way, but at least right now, um, Sendejo seems like he's that guy. Um, I, I think that for whatever reason, they just want to roll with the veteran. Um, I, I was surprised cause I thought Harrison was going to get some more run, but at least as of right now, he, he's not being utilized. Yeah, I mean, your only hope is that they did get them right before the year. Now they have 10 days before their next game. It's kind of what like they call like the mini-buy. Um, hopefully that gives them enough time. If it is a playbook issue or whatever, this would be the time that he gets that to learn the playbook, and hopefully he becomes um, he sees his role expand uh, Absolutely. next week. 
So uh, before we get into week two start sit advice, uh, let's start out with the news. We still have a ton of news, um, you know, some of it fresh from week one, some of it still lingering from the preseason training camp. Um, so Brandon, can you get us into the news? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest news is Michael Thomas and whatever the drama is that surrounds his ankle. It was, I mean, he did roll up his ankle late in the fourth quarter against the Bucks. Um, and then news came out that it was a high ankle sprain, which no one wants to hear, and it would be a couple-week injury. And then Adam Schefter Friday morning tweets out saying that there is now a glimmer of hope. Um, he, I guess he felt really good during practice on Thursday, um, and there is, quote-unquote, a glimmer of hope. The problem is, is that it's a Monday night game, and if he doesn't play, like, you need to have some kind of backup available to step in. And at this point, with it being Monday night, I, I don't even know. Like, I'm probably keeping him on my bench at least this week. I, I just, that's a very, like, because if he doesn't play, then then you don't really have many options after that. Yeah, we had uh, tweeted that um, if you haven't already picked up Traquan Smith, because, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is not um, out there in many leagues, um, so if you don't have Sanders, uh, I would definitely pick up Traquan Smith if you don't have um, any viable options on your bench. To Brandon's point, if you have a viable option on your bench that you can put in and give you good production this week, then it would be smart to bench Michael Thomas. Um, even, even if he comes out there and plays, we have too much history here that suggests that trying to play through a high ankle sprain is a very poor life choice. Yeah. Um, you know, these, we know how talented these athletes are. They need to be able to cut at full speed. Um, you know, that I think that this is an even more devastating injury for, um, a, a running back, but wide receivers need to be able to cut, you know, they, it's, it's hard enough to create separation against a defensive back on two good ankles. <laughs> you have, yeah. you have one bad ankle and, uh, you know, that, that spells a lot of trouble. Um, as someone that has Michael Thomas on a team, I know Brandon has Michael Thomas on many teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually kind of hoping that they just sit him for two weeks, or I actually wouldn't even be opposed to them just putting him on IR for three weeks, letting this thing heal completely and then getting him back out there, um, you know, both. Uh, and the, the, the thing is the Saints should know better. I mean, they let Kamara try to play through this last year, and he was terrible. Yep. Um, the Giants tried to let Barkley play through it, and he was terrible. Um, it, for a team that wants to win a Super Bowl, I just think that this would be a really bad idea to try to let the athlete play through this. Um, we have a history of this not going well. Yeah, it, and again, there's there's for anyone who really wants to – have Michael Thomas be available and, and you don't have Emmanuel Sanders or you don't have Traquan Smith and you can't get them. One route you could take is to pick up Deontay Harris, um, especially if your league offers punt return yards. Um, he's going to see more playing time if Michael Thomas goes out. He's their primary punt returner. Last week he had four returns for 59 yards. Um, so he, he's most likely not going to come away with a goose egg. Um, so for anyone who really wants to hold out hope that Michael Thomas is going to play and they want to play him if he plays, um, Deontay Harris is a nice insurance policy to have on your bench. 
Yeah, um, definitely, uh, you know, as Brandon was saying, an absolute, absolute last resort. Um, we uh-huh. are very hopeful that you have better options than that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're uh, if you're really hurting and you want to have an insurance policy, that's a potential insurance policy. Um, I do feel like Traquan Smith is likely out there on a lot of wires. Um, so, you know, so- something to look at um, for sure. Now, there's some other guys um, that we want to talk about as well. I think we had tweeted, but certainly there's been a lot out there that um, Chris Godwin um, popped up in the concussion protocol this week. Uh, He popped up late, um, you know, and a lot of the medical experts have been saying that, you know, because they didn't put him in the concussion protocol immediately, this sounds like a situation where he all of a sudden had symptoms a couple days after which is not a good sign. Um, He is very much in doubt to play this week. Um, And depending on the severity, you know, we could be looking at a couple weeks without Chris Godwin. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're looking for anyone, um, Scotty Miller is a good option. Even with Chris Godwin on the field against the Saints, Scotty Miller saw a ton of targets. Um, Tom Brady loves his quick, slot receivers and he peppers them with targets so in ppr leagues i think scotty miller's a great option this week against a a, a definitely a beatable carolina defense yeah so one thing that we've talked about previously um you know i think this started in the tight end episode and then we we talked a little bit about it in the week one starts it um the the gronk oj howard thing that we discussed Mm -hmm. i mean not a not a huge thing but i mean O.J. Howard did see more snaps, as we predicted might be the case. Um, he saw more targets. He caught more passes, and he had a touchdown um, week one. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that you were looking at a top 12 tight end moving forward, um, but we, we definitely suggested that you keep your eye on O.J. Howard, um, and I would suggest it again um, with a potential uptick in targets here um, as a result of Godwin potentially being out. Uh, this this could be shaping up to be an O.J. Howard week. Um, you know, if you are, we're going to talk about some start sits. I, I don't think that O.J. Howard would be a, a bad play this week. Um, there's other people that we're probably going to like a little better than O.J. Howard, um, but I don't think he's a bad play. He's probably going to see an uptick in targets as well um, in this particular matchup. Uh, Brandon, some other folks that are struggling with injuries right now. Well, I mean, we can give the good news is that it looks like Miles Sanders is going to be a full go this week. Um, everything I've read, it sounded like the Eagles were just being extra cautious um, going into the game against Washington. I think they might have been a little overconfident going into the game against Washington, thinking they may not need Miles Sanders. That clearly backfired. Um, I think I think they needed Miles Sanders. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think they need offensive linemen. I don't know if they necessarily need Miles Sanders, but um, Miles Sanders will certainly help. Um, with with that in mind, uh, Lane Johnson, their um, stud right tackle, looks like he's going to play as well. So that's um, a huge boost. Definitely uh, some more hope for Eagles fans. Yeah, um, but everything I, I've read is it, it sounds like. Miles Sanders, he's not even going to be on a on a snap count. He's he's full go. Um, so that's certainly good news. I think he's definitely an RB two, probably a low end RB one, going up against the Rams this week. Gosh, is there going to be anything more fascinating than watching Aaron Donald against the interior of that beat up Philadelphia Eagles offensive line? 
Um, if Carson Wentz hasn't already been having nightmares <laughs> leading up, um, he's going to be living a nightmare. Uh, gosh, the some of the the footage, um, like the gifs and stuff out there, <laughs> showing Aaron Donald just blowing up that Dallas offensive line, and that is a good Dallas offensive yeah. line. And Aaron Donald was throwing those guys around like rag dolls. Incredible, it, absolutely it, incredible football player. If if I am the Eagles. I do not put my center out there. I put my long snapper out there, and I put Carson Wentz about 15 yards back. Like, <laughs> that's literally the only thing that's going to save him because probably Aaron Donald is just going to rip through that interior Gosh. of the offensive line. He is a bad man. <laughs> you know, they gave him a ton of money. I mean, that contract is looking like an absolute bargain, right? Yeah. I mean, what an incredible player. I, I he mean, absolutely just wrecks opposing offenses. When you think about, like, defensive players that, like, this is, like, NFL teams now, the ones that pay, like, the positions that get the most money, like, you talk about, oh, like, I need a, a lockdown corner, like, I need a stud middle linebacker, like, good safeties, like, no one ever talks about the defensive tackle, and, like, Aaron Donald is just one of those special players that can completely transform a defense, because, the Rams linebackers are awful. And it's like, it doesn't matter that the linebackers are awful because no one's getting past Donald. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they commit two blockers minimum to this man every play, and it still doesn't matter. No. <laughs> he, he throws them all away. He's oh, He is just a sensational player. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, some of the other news quickly. Um Kenny Galladay has still not been practicing. His status is not looking good for week two. Um, that's a big blow to that Lions offense. Um, we had uh, recommended looking at Quintez Cephas, who saw, I think, 10-plus targets last week. Um, you know, So it, if Galladay doesn't play again, Cephas will probably be very involved once again this week. Um, and then, you know, we had also recommended uh, Hawkinson. Hawkinson, once again, you know, will probably see an uptick in targets if Galladay is not there. So I think that they're both good plays this week if, um, you know, if you're missing Galladay. It's a it's a good Green Bay defense. Um, yeah. So I would probably be a little bit more wary of playing Matt Stafford if Galladay is not out there. Any other uh, news to bring up? Uh, not that I have on my list here. No, I think there's some other minor things out there like, you know, Cooks and Golden Tate are still oh, kind of yeah. dealing with lingering injuries, but um, they're probably not in a ton of folks starting lineups. Um, so, all right, then we can get into some of the start sit. Um, just like last week, we're going to go through and we are going to look at the expert consensus ranking on fantasy pros um, and then talk about some folks that we are a little higher on or a little lower on um, and some folks that you might be able to stream. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Uh, no surprise. Uh, number one is Lamar Jackson, and then Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady at 10, Cam Newton at 11, and Drew Brees rounding out the QB1s. Uh, Brandon, are there any names that stand out to you here for uh, for one reason or another? Yeah, so I mean, We'll start at the top. I think Dak Prescott has a great matchup this week. Um, I know he's already at number three, but I wouldn't be surprised if he outscores Patrick Mahomes this week, knowing that Mahomes is going up against a a pretty good 
Chargers defense and a good Chargers secondary. Um, going a little further down the list, I'm a little concerned with Matt Ryan going up against the Cowboys. I mean, we saw how good that pass rush was um, on Sunday night against the Rams. Um, I know Matt Ryan is coming off a big game um, in week one. I think he might regress a little bit, whereas Aaron Rodgers has a great matchup against the Lions. So I would probably put Rodgers ahead of Matt Ryan there. Um, you have to remember how Matt Ryan plays football, though, Brandon. Okay, right? yes. So he, he does He does not actually start playing until the fourth quarter. <laughs> so. Well, you should say he doesn't start playing until the other team's up 21 points. <laughs> <laughs> Which is usually the start of the fourth quarter. Um, for, for anyone that has had Matt Ryan, especially in the last few years as their fantasy quarterback, it is one of the most maddening yet also beautiful things that you will ever see. Um <laughs> through the first three quarters you're essentially tearing your hair out because you're like what is happening like they're absolutely terrible um and then all of a sudden the garbage man comes out uh matty ice and he gets into that fourth quarter down three touchdowns yeah um and throws for like 200 plus yards and two to three scores in the fourth quarter in garbage time and then ends up as one of the top six quarterbacks of the week it's um both cheap, maddening, and beautiful all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, one of the guys that I'm definitely lower on, and, and I think this is more for one QB leagues, I don't think Deshaun Watson is startable this week. He looked awful against Kansas City. Or at least I should say the Texans' offense looked awful in Kansas City, and now he's got to go up against Baltimore. Um, I don't see this offense getting better from week one to week two and now you're going up against a much tougher defense um he is nine on these rankings i don't think he's startable this week yeah this this one's extremely similar to what we talked about with kyler last week um you know do i think that it's the end of the world if you start deshaun watson of course not i mean he's got such such a high floor because of his rushing ability um, and even last week, I mean, anyone that watched that game knows that Kansas City dominated Houston. Um, but Watson, especially in the fourth quarter, um, salvaged his fantasy day by mm-hmm. essentially being Superman um, and, you know, like claiming a couple offensive possessions as his own, you know, by just being a phenomenal athlete. Do I think he could potentially do that against Baltimore and salvage his day? He might be able to because um, he's phenomenal. But I think that there's some other options that we're going to talk about that we would feel more confident playing than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I think one of those guys, and he's just outside of the top 12, he's at number 13, um, is Ben Roethlisberger. I was really surprised with how good Ben Roethlisberger looked against the Giants. Um, I was expecting there to be a little bit more rust. Um, but he looks solid, and he he's now goes up against a Denver Broncos defense that is hurting. I mean... They lose Von Miller. They they lose A.J. Boye against the Titans. Um, Bradley Chubb still isn't 100%. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger could have a, a really big day against the Broncos this week. Yeah, I agree with you. He was um, he was one that we encouraged you to stream last week. I think that that turned out very well. He, he had, I think, 25-plus fantasy points against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree with Brandon's assessment that I thought he looked rusty early on. There was a few throws that he just completely missed on. Um, but once he seemed to warm up, you know, he just he torched that Giants defense. 
um, I, I think that he's going to come out and have a nice day against Denver. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I don't understand the the hate for Cam Newton. Um, he was a top six quarterback last week, and the experts have him at number 11. Yeah. He's playing a Seattle defense that, as we talked about last week, this is not the Legion of Boom anymore. This defense is, I mean, I'm not trying to say that they're they're not the Giants. Like, they're not terrible. Um, but I feel like this is tremendous disrespect for Cam Newton. I mean, I I would be stunned if Cam does not finish as a top six quarterback at the end of this week. So um, if you have Cam Newton, you're playing him. Um, I think he is a locked and loaded QB1. Um, and he's that's going to be a highly entertaining game between the Patriots and the uh, the Seahawks in that game. So I'm, I'm much higher on Cam than the experts this week. Um, and, uh, you know, another potential streaming option I wanted to, to bring up, this is another person that I would probably play over Deshaun Watson, is Ryan Tannehill this week. Um, I think that Tannehill has an opportunity to, to put up some big numbers against the Jaguars. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what this game script looks like. There's certainly a world where Derrick Henry runs the ball 50 times. I mean, I'm being obviously a little, <laughs> a little bit facetious <laughs> there, but um, there, there is a world where they could potentially, you know, pound the rock against Jacksonville and Tannehill won't have a whole lot to do. Um, but to be, to be fair, we thought that Indy was going to do the same thing, and that didn't exactly turn out the way we thought it was going to. Uh, Jacksonville is going to be very competitive, I think, in every game they play this year. Um, Tannehill threw over 40 times last week, which really stunned me. Um, you know, Tannehill, um, has always had an ability, you know, I think to put up fantasy points with both his legs and his arm. Mm -hmm. I think that Tannehill is a great streaming option this week. Um, if you can't get your hands on Roethlisberger, um, you know, or, or one of those guys. All right. Um, let's go into running backs. So once again, when we look at um, these rankings, we default to half PPR. Um, so just keep that, that in mind, you know, based on what your scoring format is. So the ECR for the top 24 running backs, uh, first is Ezekiel Elliott, and then we have CMC, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Saquon at number six, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor getting on that rocket ship and <laughs> soaring up to number 10. In uh, week two, Joe Mixon at 11. That doesn't look like it turned out well. Uh, Austin Eckler at 12. Nick Chubb at 13. He looked great last night. Um, yeah. Kenyon Drake at 14. Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, Raheem Mostert, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt. That turned out extremely well for anyone that played Kareem Hunt. 100 yards and two touchdowns on 12 touches that is yeah. incredible um like alvin Kamara levels of efficiency um miles sanders at 20 ronald jones at 21 melvin gordon mark ingram and then rounding out the rb2s david montgomery so brandon are there any names that stand out to you here for the running backs yeah i mean you kind of touched on i think derrick henry is going to have a huge workload against the Jaguars. Um, I know he is, again, I always kind of pick one of these guys, but and I know he's at three, but like he, he should be, he should have a huge game for anyone this week. Um, Jonathan Taylor at 10. I mean, I know that like that is significantly higher than where he was the last week. I think going up against the Vikings defense, um, that is a, a shell of itself from past years. 
I think he has a big game, especially because in week one, he got a, a lot of targets. He had six receptions. Like, if that is something that continues and he is a part of that passing attack, like, he is going to be a surefire RB1 from this point forward. Um, and then just going a little further down, I like Mark Ingram against Houston. Um, I mean, we saw what CEH did against them in week one. I think Mark Ingram's going to just he, – he's, he's not flashy. He's steady. He's going to get you 10-12 carries. Um, but I, I see those 10-12 carries potentially being 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, so at number 23, I think that he's a, he's a solid play there. Yeah. You know, Mark Ingram makes me a little bit nervous. Um, I, I think, you know, I would absolutely agree with your assessment that he's an RB2, you know, and I would be um, satisfied to roll him in, you know, or even better in my flex. Um, the The one thing from last week that makes me a little bit nervous about Ingram is it, it seemed like they were very comfortable putting the rookie in there close to the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's just a one week anomaly um, because that was Mark Ingram's role last year. Um, you know, he was generally always the guy that, that kind of got those touches, um, you know, in the, the five zone there, like close to the goal line. Um, if that continues and if, you know, if Dobbins is that guy for whatever reason, if they, they like him in that role, um, God, that would just destroy Mark Ingram's value. Mm-hmm. Um, after one week, I'm not, I'm not comfortable, you know, throwing dirt on Mark Ingram yet. This is someone that has always been productive in fantasy, you know, and has always been in split backfields and has still been productive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I agree with you. I think I'm still confident rolling him out there this week. Um, with that being said, if, if he loses goal line touches to um, Dobbins again this week, I think I'll be fading Ingram essentially to the bench um, because that would, that'd be really rough. You know, if, if you're not getting a lot of touches and you're not getting the high value touches, um, that's, that's hard to roll someone like that into your lineup. Um, so we'll have to kind of cross our fingers for Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ingram this week. Um, you know, some, some names that I was looking at, um, I'm definitely a little bit lower on Austin Eckler. Uh, I was a little concerned with his usage in week one. He got 20 touches, which is great for any running back, um, but it was opposite of what his usage looked like last year. Uh, we know that, you know, with Phillip Rivers there, Eckler got a tremendous number of targets, targets that are now going to Naheem Hines and, and Jonathan Taylor. Um, with Tyrod at the helm, he got one target last week, uh, which is very concerning for me. Um, the, the reason that's concerning is we know that targets tend to be, especially in half PPR and PPR leagues, more valuable, um, you know, on a, a per touch basis than carries are. Um, in an offense like Tennessee, someone like Derrick Henry can make that work because it's a good offense and Derrick Henry finds the end zone frequently. Uh, we, we saw week one, and I think we have concerns that the Chargers offense is one that is not going to put a lot of points on the board. Um, in, in that way, uh, I have I have concerns about Eckler's floor. Um, if he's not getting those targets, you're you're very dependent on him finding the end zone, and I think it's um, okay to question how frequently he's going to find the end zone in what looks like a, a not very good Chargers offense. Um, I'm certainly not telling you to to not play Eckler, um, but I'm not as high on Eckler as the um, 
experts are this week. Um, but, you know, with that being said, if, if we see them change and we see them, you know, design some touches for Eckler coming out of the backfield where Tyrod's trying to get the ball in his hands in space, that would, I think, absolutely change my outlook on him moving forward. Uh, one running back that I think, you know, I'm, uh, would be a nice play this week. He's just inside, um, you know, running back to territory is Ronald Jones. Um, so, you know, we certainly saw that Carolina is a rebuilding defense. Um, that, <laughs> that might be a kind way to put it. Uh, there's, there's a lot of young guys out there for the, for Carolina's defense. I think this is a defense that has a bright future. Um, but this year it is a defense that you really want to target, um, the opposing offense, um, Ronald Jones, I think, can have a very, very nice week. We remember that Josh Jacobs put up monster numbers last week against the Carolina defense. I think Ronald Jones um, can have a, a similarly nice week this week for Tampa Bay. Yeah, no, I, li- I like both of those um, both of those calls. I think the Eckler one is certainly interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, as you said, I'm not benching him, but based on these rankings, he's viewed as an RB1. I don't know if I would... I think he's an RB2 or even a flex at this point until it show, it's shown otherwise that you can trust him to be more than that. And um, Giants fans and Saquon Barkley enthusiasts all over will not like to hear this, um, <laughs> but we, uh, we rightly encouraged you to temper expectations with Saquon week one. Um, to be honest, he was even worse than I thought he was going to be. Um, it was, it was not good. Um, so the positive news is he did get targets in the passing game. Um, you know, so it wasn't a complete no show from Saquon in week one. Uh, they're going up against, uh, another stout defense this week in the bears. Uh, the bears are not as good as the Pittsburgh defense, but I still think they are good enough to shut down this giants run game. It's going to be another rough week for Saquon. Um, once again, I'm not telling you to not start Saquon, um, but just like we suggested last week, you might want to find some other high upside plays in your lineup because it's going to be a it's going to be rough sledding for Saquon for another week. The experts have him at six. I would not have him nearly that high. I'd see Saquon as a running back too this week. All right, we're going to move into the wide receivers. Once again, this is half point PPR. Your number one wide receiver, um, not shockingly, with Michael Thomas hurt, is Devontae Adams, who was absolutely incredible week one. Number two is Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, uh, fresh off of his bizarre drama <laughs> this week. <laughs> that is that is a thing that we'll have to talk about another day, I guess. Um, Calvin Ridley at seven, Amari Cooper at eight, Juju Robert Woods, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, rounding out the wide receiver ones, the wide receiver twos, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton, Hollywood Brown, OBJ, that looked like it turned out pretty well last night. He had that nice long touchdown uh, from Baker. DK Metcalf at 20, Michael Gallup, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs and Will Fuller rounding out the wide receiver twos. Who stands out to you here, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I think the one that jumps out to me right away is Juju at number nine. Uh, we already talked about Ben Roethlisberger going up against the Broncos. I think with the injuries the Broncos have at cornerback, I think Juju can have a, a really big game this week. 
Um, one guy that I'm kind of staying away from and even potentially benching depending on my depth is Terry McLaurin. Redskins outside of Terry McLaurin have no wide receivers. I mean, uh, that's just how it is. And now he's going up against the Cardinals defense that has Patrick Peterson that will shadow him all day. Um, I think Terry McLaurin gets just shut down this week, and I'm at avoiding starting him at all costs. Um, going a little further down, one guy that I am higher on would be Mark Marquise Brown with the Ravens. Um, he had a really good game against Cleveland in a game that the Ravens ran away from. Um, ran away from the Browns. I, I think that he could have another big game this week going up against Houston. I agree with you. I think Hollywood Brown is a smash play this week. Um, we uh, we got into a Twitter conversation um, about Hollywood Brown, and I, I think that he's being severely underrated right now by the fantasy community. Um, he's a he's like a walking touchdown waiting to happen. Um, the you know yeah. he's almost like a, a light version of Tyreek Hill in that way, where you know the incredible speed. Um, you know, incredible ability after the catch. I, I love Hollywood Brown this week. Yeah, how about you, Matt? Who do you have, um, or what stands out to you in these rankings? Uh, DJ Moore makes me nervous. Um, so I think you all might remember in the wide receiver uh, show, I was high on DJ Moore. Um, you know, I, I think I had talked about him being kind of just outside that top seven, top eight wide receivers. Um, I think that this might be another week that DJ Moore folks are disappointed. Um, DJ Moore, you know, generally tends to operate out of the slot in Carolina's offense. Um, As we saw last week, there was a pretty incredible ability for Bridgewater to spread the ball around. Um, I think that there was nine or 10 targets, you know, for Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson last week. Uh, Robbie Anderson, of course, ended up having the big week. DJ Moore was a little quiet with only four catches. <clears throat> this week he's going to go up against um, a very good slot cornerback uh, for Tampa Bay. And I- I'm certainly not suggesting that DJ Moore is not playable, um, but I think he's going to have a quiet week again. Um, and, you know, DJ Moore folks are probably going to start to get a little bit uh, ornery and antsy uh, <laughs> after potentially two quiet weeks. Uh, so once again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I would play DJ Moore, um, but temper your expectations. I think it might be another rough week. Uh, this could be another Robbie Anderson blow-up week. Um, I'm higher on Mike Evans. Uh, so part of the reason I'm higher on Mike Evans uh, is the knowledge that we're likely not going to see Godwin. Uh, Evans had about the worst week that you can have um, while scoring a touchdown. Uh, one, one catch for two yards and a touchdown is really nothing to write home about. Um, but... It was nice to know that Brady's looking his way in the end zone. Um, you have to expect that Tampa is going to um, be scoring early and often this week uh, against Carolina. The fact that Brady seems willing to look Mike Evans' way in the end zone has me feeling um, pretty confident about Mike Evans' chances to, to be a very solid wide receiver one this week. Um, and in general, I would say that I'm higher on essentially every cowboy skill position player um atlanta is terrible i mean they're just absolutely terrible um brandon talked about it with dak earlier i think dak lights this falcons defense on fire um dak is more than happy to spread the ball around 
Um, I would say, you know, other than probably the tight end, I would play all Cowboy skill position players. <laughs> they're they're all likely going to have a big week. Uh, Cooper looks good. C.D. Lamb looks good. Michael Gallup looks good. Play all of them. They're going to be great. All right, let's move into the tight ends. So in one of the least surprising things that you will hear all year, Travis Kelsey is seen as number one. Mark Andrews is number two. Love, love me some Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have him in our league of record, and I was uh, thoroughly satisfied with this week one performance. <laughs> he is incredible. Um, Kittle at number three. Uh, so we actually didn't talk about George Kittle. Um, he seems to be trending toward playing, um, but this is worrisome. He's hyperextended this knee before, um, so I would definitely keep an eye on Kittle's status. Uh, he, he had a little rough go of it last year when he hyperextended his knee. Um, you're, I mean, if he plays, you're playing George Kittle tight end is a wasteland. Um, but this one has me at least a little bit nervous. Um, Ertz at four, the Walrus at five, Jared Cook at six, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, Dallas Goddard, Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram, and rounding out the tight end ones, TJ Hawkinson at 12. What stands out to you on this list, Brandon? Yeah, I think... One of them that jumps out right away is Jared Cook, um, especially if Michael Thomas is out. Those targets have to go somewhere. Um, I think Jared Cook could be um, could see a lot more targets. I think again, like Alvin Kamara could see more targets, um, but I think Jared Cook could find the end zone in this game. Um, another one we talked about him on the last episode, Dallas Goddard. I am riding that until he tell until he proves me wrong. Like. He is a surefire start this week. I think he has a big game against the Rams. Um, one guy that if you're hurting a tight end and you need someone, um, I think Mike Gesicki against Buffalo this week has a big game. And I know that may be surprising because the Bills do have a solid defense. However, their linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, are hurt. Um, Edmonds has gotten in some limited work Milano has not practiced this week. I would be very surprised if he plays. Um, and on the other side, the Dolphins, Devontae Parker's dealing with a hamstring. Even if he goes, he might not be 100%. I think Mike Gesicki could have a big game this week uh, going up against the Bills. Yeah, I like that. Um, I agree with uh, your take on Jared Cook. Um, I think with Michael Thomas either limited or not playing, uh, Cook will definitely see an uptick. And in the Saints offense, Cook's efficiency has been incredible. I mean, just last year, his touchdown percentage on the number of, uh, you know, catches he had was just out of this world. Mm-hmm. And since he's been with the Saints, he's been averaging 16 yards per catch, which is incredible. I mean, even for a wide receiver, that number would be impressive for a tight end. That's that's absolutely out of this world. I think Jared Cook is a smash play for sure um this week and in terms of if if you um you know are are a little bit nervous about Kittle or if you're looking for a streamer um you know if you were someone that waited at tight end I like Chris Herndon a lot this week um the the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets offense um you know now that they don't have Lev Bell uh they're gonna be you know (laughs) firing up our boy Frank Gore um, that's just amazing. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. This man, he just can't stop starting at 
at running back in the NFL. It's tr- truly incredible. Um, we also know that his his efficiency has really taken a nosedive in recent years. Brandon's a Buffalo fan, and, and he can certainly tell you that Frank Gore was not a good NFL running back last year. No. I don't think that that got better. Um, and the Jets are, are certainly not a good football team right now. Um, with that in mind, uh, they're going to be losing, and they have to throw the ball to someone. Um, and I think one of those someones is going to be Chris Herndon. Um, the, the touchdown upside is very much not there. Once again, like we were talking about with the Chargers, uh, this is not an offense that we would expect to score a lot of points. Um, but if you are in a half PPR or PPR league, I think Herndon is essentially money in the bank for, you know, eight to 10 targets in this game. Um, that probably is only going to, you know, result in, you know, basically his week one line, six catches for, you know, 40 yards. Um, so, I mean, that's nothing to write home about, but if you need a streamer, Chris Herndon is extremely safe. He's probably going to get you, you know, 10 PPR points, um, which is, is better than nothing for sure. Let's uh, move to defense. So we'll start with defensive linemen. Not shockingly from what we've been talking about earlier, the number one uh, defensive lineman for week two is Aaron Donald. Nick Bosa at two. Miles Garrett, uh, who certainly looked great with that strip sack last night. Joey Bosa at four. Cam Jordan. Cam Hayward. Chase Young got on his rocket ship and he's uh he's up to number seven. Uh, you know, we had been pumping him up all off season and I think he kind of showed the world how good of a player he is. So you'll probably see him as a staple in the DL ones moving forward. Sam Hubbard at eight, Carlos Dunlap at nine, JJ Watt at ten, Chris Jones and Justin Houston rounding out the DL ones. Uh, are there any that stand out to you in this list, Brandon? Um, going through this list, I, I, again, Chase Young, I think any of the Washington defensive line we've talked about, um, Chase Young, I like really well going further down Montez Sweat is at 30, Jonathan Allen's at 31. I think I'd be comfortable rolling any of those guys out. Um, one that I like is Yannick Nagakwe with the Vikings. He's at 27 right now. Um, going up against the Colts, the uh, Colts do have a good defensive line, but Phillip Rivers is essentially a statue in the pocket. Um, so I, I think he could have a, a big game, kind of have that breakout moment now with the Vikings. Um, I think those are two kind of sleepers that stand out to me a little further down that I think could have some serious value. Nice. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I we we love the Washington defensive line, so certainly, you know, fire up your your football team defensive linemen um because I I think that, you know, they're they're going to be a a good play again this week. Um that that Arizona line, uh, we'll just say that Kyler Murray masks a lot of ills with the, with that Arizona <laughs> offensive line cuz it's not great. Uh I think Washington could certainly have a good day <clears throat> against the Arizona offensive line. Um we talked about Dallas earlier. Uh, I, I, I love the Dallas defensive line against uh, Atlanta's, uh, we'll, we'll kindly say, porous offensive line. Uh, I, I do think Matt Ryan is going to have some issues. Aldon Smith exploded. Um, you know, so we, we talked about him certainly on the waiver show. 
Um, I think Aldon Smith is likely going to have himself another day. Um, I, I like Demarcus Lawrence as a nice value play. He's uh, D lineman 16, so the experts see him as a DL2. He did, he did have a very quiet week one, to be fair, um, but I do think he bounces back here in week two, um, and I like Everson Griffin as well um, further down the list. Um, Miles Garrett already played, you know, but I, I think that Miles Garrett certainly, um, you know, I had himself a night last night against the Bengals. I think, you know, Garrett is, is right there in the running to be the, the DL, the DL one, um, you know, the, the rest of the way moving forward. I don't see anyone that stands out to me definitively as, as someone that I would fade this week. No, no one in particular. I mean, JJ Watt had a little bit of a quiet, uh, week one. I mean, as we, I think, mentioned, he looked incredible against Kansas City. It just didn't show up in the box score. Um, no one has had a crueler start to the year than the Houston Texans um, <laughs> who <laughs> start against Kansas City and then their consolation prize for getting destroyed in that game is to now go face Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Um, J.J. Watt feels likely to me to have another quiet week. Um, if he does, uh, don't don't fall off. Um, I feel confident that Watt will probably be one of the best players on the field again and will likely be one of the only reasons that Houston will even barely put up a fight against Baltimore. Um, so I'd, I'd fade him in that way, but not necessarily because of the talent. I think it's just a, a brutal matchup for sure. All right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I like J.J. Watt in terms of season but yeah to your point he's had two very tough matchups to start the year i think he, he will get better as the year goes on at least in production absolutely yeah he he could be um you know an interesting trade target in your league especially if he does have another yeah. quiet week uh you could have some jj watt managers that maybe are getting a little bit antsy worried about whether or not they think he's done as a player um mm-hmm. that could be an opportunity to kind of swoop in there and, and get yourself a good player moving forward all right, we'll move on to the linebackers. Darius Leonard, uh, as he likely will almost every week, uh, is the LB1. Then we've got Bobby Wagner, Blake Martinez, Joe Schobert, Jalon Smith, Devin White, Corey Littleton, Levante David, Roquan Smith, Demario Davis at number 10, Zach Cunningham, and then rounding out the LB1s, Deion Jones at number 12. So who stands out to you on this list, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Jalen Smith at number five with um, no Leighton Vander Esch and, and no Sean Lee. Um, Jalen Smith, I think, could have a, a big day in terms of tackles. Um, I think Zach Cunningham going up against Baltimore, going up against that run heavy Um offense i think he could have a excuse me a huge game uh this week um and also i do have some breaking news tremaine edmonds and matt milano are both out this week so yeah yeah (laughs) um so for anyone who needs linebacker help i would try to pick up tyrell dotson as well as aj klein yeah dotson got a lot of play last week right when those guys went out Buffalo loves Dotson, and even in training camp, they were raving about the fact that he could back up any position. Um, 
I think A.J. Klein and Tyrell Dotson are going to both be on the field about 80% of these snaps because they don't have any other linebackers that they really can put out there. Um, so would you say you're lower on Tremaine Edmonds this week? <laughs> I am significantly lower on Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano this week. I'm going to go out on on a ledge here and say that they put up zero points this week. You're a bold, Just, you're a bold man. I appreciate that. That is my lock of the week right there. Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano will combine for zero points. Uh, come, come to uh, at mildly defensive for... <laughs> All the hot takes. Uh, we are we are br- bringing those hot takes today. Um, that's that's I mean that's great though because we know that the the Buffalo linebacking core is a, a nice source of fantasy production. Um, so I think yeah. those are two great streaming you know options here for people to to run out there on the wire. Uh, even if you are not the manager that has Edmonds and Milano. Um, I think this would, you know, likely you're going to get some pretty great production here from these guys. I mean, the this linebacking core tends to be a very steady uh, LB2, LB3 production unit. Um, you will yeah. likely get that kind of production from these guys um, if you need a, a one-week spot start. Yeah, and, and the reason I say both of them is because I'm still not 100% sure who's going to be wearing the dot. Um, AJ Klein knows this defense very well from his time with Carolina and when he was with the Panthers he was that super backup that backed up everyone when Luke Keekley went out with injury AJ Klein stepped into the middle of that linebacking court I think Tyrell Dotson's going to do that this time around I think he's going to be the one that wears the dot he's going to be that super backup um what wasn't he the one that had the dot when they went out last week Brandon you would know better than me but I, I think he had the dot when they went out I believe so um so, and like I said, they've been very high on Tyrell Dotson. They were using him as the backup middle linebacker in camp. I just don't know. Like, it kind of throws a wrench into it now that both linebackers are out. <laughs> like, like I said, AJ Klein, probably from his experience with Carolina, he could step right in and, and wear the dot, and he could probably call those plays just as, like it's like riding a bike for him. Um, but, like, if you had to rank them, I probably would put Dotson ahead of him just because I think Dotson is more athletic, and I think he does have a higher upside. In terms of some folks that I'm a little bit lower on, I'm actually kind of surprised that the experts have Devin White and Levante David both as top eight mm-hmm. options. Um, so anyone that kind of followed that Carolina-Las um, Vegas game last week Corey Littleton actually had a surprisingly quiet game um, in that game. And I think part of that, you know, was the way that Carolina attacks a defense. Um, they they seem to want to attack the sidelines. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is someone that you like to get out in space. Um, and Corey Littleton really had a, a very quiet game for someone that played as many snaps as he did. I certainly wouldn't tell you that um, playing Devin White and Levante David is a bad choice. These are two phenomenal players. They're always going to be a good play, but I would temper expectations. I, I wouldn't see either of them as likely LB1s this week. So I would I would definitely temper expectations on the, the Tampa Bay linebackers. Um, in terms of someone that I'm a little bit higher on this week, I, I'm not really sure why the IDP community isn't coming around on Jerome Baker. Uh, folks were really, yeah. really low on Jerome Baker in the offseason, and I don't know why. Uh, I, I rostered Jerome Baker in a number of leagues last year. 
Um, and he did have a quiet first half of the year, uh, but he was absolutely on fire down the stretch. You know, was one of the best linebackers, at least, you know, in terms of fantasy production. Um, I, I got him in our league of record again um, this year, and he was the LB1 in week one. Now, to be fair, of course, that was against the New England kind of rushing attack there. So I think that there was a lot of opportunity for tackle production. Um, but with that being said, you still have to make the tackles and Jerome <laughs> Baker made the tackles. Um, the, the IDP community is still fading him to linebacker 17. Um, and lo and behold, he's going up against another team that likes to run the football <laughs> this week. Um, now I know that Josh Allen did a little bit more throwing than what we've been accustomed to. Um, and I'll, I'll lean on my Buffalo expert here, but I mean, I, I'd be shocked if this one doesn't regress to the mean in week two. I think that we'll see Buffalo run the football some more because it's clear that that's a way that you can beat Miami. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jerome Baker has another big week. I'm not you know, predicting he's going to be the LB1 again, um, but I think he'll be NLB1. Um, I, I like Jerome Baker a lot. No, I think the Baker calls a great one, especially when considering now that he's um, going up against a mobile quarterback and that just creates even more tackle opportunities. Um, so I think that, yeah, he, he should be one of those top linebackers again this week. And, uh, I mean, obviously anyone playing Bobby Wagner, you know, like if you have Bobby Wagner, you are happy about your life and you're playing Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking for the, the leader in the clubhouse for the LB1 this week, uh, <laughs> guess who's playing the Patriots? <laughs> But Bobby Wagner might have 40 yeah. tackles. Um, not, not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, he's he's going to be amazing. Uh, speaking of which, I don't think we brought this up, but K.J. Wright is a part-time player. Um, so if you drafted K.J. Wright, I mean, this has been someone that's been a, an LB3 staple for years and years and years. Um, it doesn't look like this is going to change. I think this might be the swan song for K.J. Wright in Seattle. Uh, they, they've drafted a lot of linebackers, including this past year, I think with the idea that they were going to have to replace KJ, Wright, Um, it looks like the, the future is now, um, I, I'd probably hold KJ, Wright, You know, depending on how deep your bench is for another week, just to see what the snap counts look like. But if he continues to be a part-time player, he's likely going to have to be, you know, unless you're in a very deep league, um, cut to your your waiver wire which is sad because kj wright's been fantastic for a long time yeah okay we will go into the defensive backs quick before we wrap this up and the uh the db1 this week is jamal adams buddha baker at two and then landon collins jordan poyer harrison smith tracy walker john johnson john abram Keanu Neal, Jesse Bates at 10, Honey Badger at 11, and rounding out the DB1s, uh, another rocket ship player, <laughs> Marcus May, yeah. uh, all the way up to number 12. Um, what are some names that stand out to you here, Brandon? I mean, I think the one that jumps out right away is Jordan Jordan Poyer. Now that Edmonds and Milano are out, um, they could lean on him more closer to the line. I think he has... A good day against Miami. Jonathan Abram against the Saints. I mean, he had a great week one. I think he continues that this week. Um, and then you mentioned it, but Marcus May. I mean, this is a perfect situation for him going up against a, a 49ers offense that's going to 
lean heavy on the run. I think they put Marcus May close to the line. He gets a lot of uh, tackles this week against the 49ers. Yeah, I, I think I think that there's still a number of people that are skeptical of Marcus May mm-hmm. and the talent. As someone that uh, follows the Florida Gators, I, I can tell you that I was puzzled by that Jets draft uh, a few years back. Um, folks might not remember this, but you know, in the the draft that the Jets took Jamal Adams, um, just a couple rounds later they took Marcus May. Um, Jamal Adams is definitely the superior player. But I was very surprised because Marcus May is a similar player. Um, And I I just didn't understand why they took two players with very similar skill sets. And then, you know, they tried to play both of them. But Marcus May has never been a free safety. That's not who he is. Um, You know, he's just a, you know, less athletic, um, you know, less talented version of Jamal Adams. Um, So it, it was not surprising to me when they put him in this position um Mm -hmm. but i think you know there's there's a lot of folks in the community that because they've seen him play free safety for the jets for so many years um just didn't didn't think that this was going to be a possibility i think that this is here to stay marcus may is a great player this is the stuff that he did for the florida gators when he was in college um once again i'm not claiming that he's as good of a player as jamal adams but i do think he's going to fill up your fantasy box scores for weeks and weeks to come if he can stay healthy um that second part is critical because marcus may gets nicked up every single year um so you know whether or not he can play 16 games or as close to 16 as possible that's going to be a big thing but i think if you were able to scoop marcus may up you've got a locked and loaded defensive back one um in terms of other names um I'm I'm a little higher on John Abram as well. Uh, so the the experts have him at number eight. Um, New Orleans, I think that you know there's a excellent opportunity, especially uh, if Michael Thomas doesn't play. You're going to see them feed that ball to Latavius Murray. Um, you're going to see them feed it to Kamara. I think you know with where uh, the Raiders are employing John Abram, I think that there's a great opportunity for a lot of production from him this week. Um, and another player that's going to be getting on his rocket ship pretty soon here is Jeremy Chin. Um, so we, we encouraged you to watch the situation with Jeremy Chin when we found out that he was not the starting strong safety for Carolina. Um, the situation could not have gotten any better for Jeremy Chin. Uh, they're using Jeremy Chin as a linebacker. Um, he's a linebacker with safety eligibility, which is incredible. Um, so the vast majority of the snaps that Jeremy Chin is out there, and he is essentially a full-time player for Carolina's defense, he's playing outside linebacker for them. Um, they also move him around, and they try to get him some snaps at defensive back as well. Uh, he had seven solos last week. Jeremy Chin is going to be a stud, um, and he's going to be a cheat code. So if you have Jeremy Chin, uh, pat yourself on the back. <laughs> uh, feel good about this situation. I will say that um, don't don't give up on uh, Justin Burris yet. He did play essentially 100% of the snaps. For whatever reason, the production was not there, um, but I still think that there's an excellent opportunity for him to produce in this defense as well. Um, so I, I would I would kind of wait and see. If you want to put him on your bench this week, um, that's certainly fine. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, with, with Brady and what he likes to do, um, there was like three different safeties that had a lot of fantasy production for the Saints last week against Tampa Bay. I think Burris could have a nice bounce back this week. 
if you're unsure of it, you can certainly put him on your bench, but I would not cut him yet. I think that there's still a great opportunity there for Burris. Um, and we, we've already talked about the Taylor Rapp situation, but I would not play Taylor Rapp this week. Um, don't cut him yet, but I would put him on your bench. Um, with his snap situation there, uh, that that's one to stay away from for now. Okay. That is going to wrap it up for us with the start sit episode in week two. We will be back on Tuesday, uh, with waiver wire claims for week three. Uh, we, we appreciate all the support. Just as a reminder, please go on to Apple Podcast, uh, subscribe to the show, um, leave us a review. We really appreciate your honest feedback, and it really helps us get this pod out to other people. Um, we've been highly encouraged by all the support that we've gotten for folks. Um, once again, if you have feedback for us or questions, please reach out to us on Twitter at Mildly Defensive. For Brandon Kroos, I'm Matt Jordan. Uh, have a great week.